the Your Safe Space podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land. This podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. This episode of Your Safe Space is brought to you by Elite 11. Elite 11 is one of my favourite Australian sporting and activewear brands and you can shop Elite 11 now at Elite11sporting.com, in-store or by downloading their app. Welcome to Your Safe Space, the podcast. I'm your host, Adele Marie, and this podcast is here for you. It is a safe space for us to catch up each week to discuss anything and everything. And on today's show, we are talking about solo travel. Happy Sunday, guys. Thank you so much for coming back. I'm very happy to be in the studio today. I had a week off last week, and so I really missed you guys. I really missed recording, and I'm feeling a bit rusty because this is the first episode back, so bear with me while I come to it. We have a jam-packed show today. You guys requested this because obviously I just got back from Bali. I went by myself. It was a very last-minute impromptu trip, if you will, and that sparked a lot of interest from you guys. And so I thought I'm going to do a little bit of a solo travel guide for you. And yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Now, as always, we start our Sunday episodes with our highlights, gratitudes, and struggles. I also want you to come into the Facebook group to share yours because every single Monday I put up a post and then... I literally read all of your highlights, gratitudes and struggles and I absolutely love doing that. Firstly, it counts as journaling for you. So if you are wanting to get into journaling or getting a little bit better at checking in with yourself, that's a really good way to start because you're just bringing awareness to yourself every Monday. And then secondly, I get to connect with you guys and see what's going on in your world. I also just wanted to touch on one thing. There was a highlight in the group and I forgot to mention it, but every week I think I'm going to start picking out like my favorite post from the group because we've had some really cute threads lately. And the person I'm going to shout out today is Jasmine because she posted in the group late last week and said, if you could only pass on one piece of advice, what would it be? And I recommend everyone going back into the group and reading that thread because everyone put a different piece of advice, but it was so wholesome and I added my own one as well. But yeah, it was just a beautiful post to read and it got the conversation going, which I really appreciated and is one of my favorite posts to date. So thank you for sharing that, Jasmine. I'm going to start with my struggle because as I say, we get the worst out of the way before we get to the better stuff. But my struggle has definitely just been my mental health as of late. It is in the trash, guys, and I'm trying hard to get it out of the trash. It's not my first time having a bad patch. I've been through this a few times in my life and I know it will pass, but yeah, I'm just working really hard to try and do what I need to get myself out of it. I am finding it a little bit difficult in the sense that the things that are triggering me are out of my control. And so that does make it a little bit more challenging than usual, but that just means I have to protect my peace hold my boundaries, make sure that I'm doing what I need to just ensure my safety in those areas. And so unfortunately, that's also impacting my sleep a little bit. I'm struggling to fall asleep at night, which means I've been going to bed at like 1am, 2am, 3am and then still waking up. Like today I woke up at 6am, 6.30. And so I haven't had that much sleep and I feel like that's just then impacting how I am during the day. So I know I need to really kind of sort that out and I am working on it, but that's what's killing me at the moment. I do have really good gratitudes and highlights though, so it's not all doom and gloom and I am okay, but my gratitude by far has to be Bali because 
oh my goodness, did I need that trip? I needed it so badly. And I think it was just a really big wake up call to me because obviously I went to Bali just as a little bit of an escape to get out of my routine, to get out of my schedule. And truth be told, I probably needed to take that trip back in like February, March. And I didn't take it then because I had so much happening and so much on my plate. And it had been a long time since I had taken a break. And I kind of just went straight from leaving my corporate job, which was very full on in my lead up to resigning, straight into content. And then I had the renovation happening. I had the jewelry happening. I had commitment to all these other content that I put out. And yeah, it just got away from me. And I kept saying, oh, I'll just wait for Europe. I'll just wait for Europe. And sure enough, I couldn't wait till then. And I think learning from that, what I will do moving forward is prioritize taking a break. And it doesn't need to be a trip to Bali every year, but I think whether that looks like a little weekend away or maybe having some better boundaries around like my work-life balance would probably help me a little bit more. But yeah, super grateful for the trip. I will talk a little bit more about it as we get into the show because it was so much fun and I'm so glad I went. And then my highlight is finally finishing the renovation. So you guys will be able to see the last bit of content on all of my channels and that renovation was done a long time ago. I think it wrapped up in maybe May and I did have a little bit of a delay on the content just while I was leasing the property out but it's all leased and yeah ready to go and I'm just really happy that it's done and it came up so beautifully and I'm super grateful that yeah I was able to do it and yeah I'm really proud it looks amazing so I'm really happy about that so I've just been sitting in kind of the success of that as well. Okay, let's get into today's show because it's a fun one and it's jam-packed and I hope this episode can be one that you can refer back to and maybe even listen on your own next solo trip. You can listen to it on the plane, download it for that, or maybe you can share it with a friend who's going away by themselves or you can refer back to it any other time that you are planning to solo travel. Now, I feel like I can do this episode because I feel like a seasoned solo traveler. I did go to Europe. That was probably my first big solo trip at 21 or 22. Maybe I was 22, I think. And that was nearly three months abroad. And I literally just left Australia with my suitcase. Big mistake there. Probably should have taken a backpack. But that was my first time really going out on my own and doing my own thing. And it was a significant period of time. I learned a lot through that. Since then, I have done quite a lot of solo domestic interstate travel. So some of you may remember when I was working corporate, I would travel quite a bit to Sydney. I would travel quite a bit to Canberra. And then moving into content and social media, I would also travel a lot to Sydney. I've been going to Gold Coast quite a bit. This week, I'm going to Sydney on Thursday and then I'm going to the Gold Coast on Friday. So I'm going to two states in just this one week coming up. And then I also did a very short, well, not short, I did a 10-day trip to Noosa in January of 2022. So that was right after COVID and all the lockdowns and stuff like that. And so I feel like I've done my fair share of solo travel. I absolutely love it. I'm the biggest advocate for it. And so I'm ready to give you this episode and so excited too. Now, the reason that I love solo travel is just because of the autonomy it gives you and the freedom and the confidence that it gives you. I can't explain the feeling that you get. And I know it can be a little bit stressful, especially if you've never done it before. But the feeling you get when you do something like that, it is the biggest confidence boost to yourself. 
definitely main character energy, by the way. And it's nice just doing whatever the fuck you want to do. <laughs> like I can't explain it in any other way. You don't have to consult anyone else about where you want to go, what you want to do. You also make friends while you're over there. I think there's this misconception that if you're solo traveling, you're going to have a shit time because you're not going with friends and you're not having fun. There are so many people who solo travel, especially if you're going to highly traveled places or tourist places. There are going to be other solo travelers there from all around the world and you are not going to be the only one and you will make friends. If anything, I think when you're by yourself, you're forced to make friends because you don't have that comfort zone of being with someone that you know or being with your family or being with friends from back home. So I love it and I'm definitely here to encourage it. And hopefully after listening to this, some of you will feel a little bit more confident about wanting to step out into your own comfort zone. Now, you guys asked me a ton of questions and so that's how this show will run. We're going to do Q&A and I've picked the most common ones or the most popular ones because <laughs> there were quite a few. Now, the first question is, how do you remain safe while traveling alone? And I think safety was the number one concern for everybody, which I mean, fair enough. It's the number one concern for me as well. But what I really want to say to this is that in my mind, I am no more worse off in Australia than I am while traveling. I could be unsafe today while doing my day-to-day just as unsafe as I could be overseas. And so, yes, I believe you need to be cautious, but I don't think you need to let it hold you back. And what I would recommend is just having like your wits about you and just having that like street smart. That is something that I don't think really came naturally to me because looking back at my very early days, especially in my late teens, early 20s, I probably wasn't street smart. (laughs) I was probably a bit silly and engaged in more risk-taking behaviors than what I would now. But I really just try to have my wits about me, whether I'm traveling or whether I'm just walking down the street here. And I'll give you an example. Every Tuesday, I catch the train into the studio, right? Who's to say that something unsafe isn't going to happen to me while I'm on the train. I mean, touch wood. (laughs) I hope that doesn't happen, but the likelihood of it happening could be the same. And so I would never let that be the reason that I don't travel or that I don't see somewhere in the world because at the end of the day, I can control what I can control and some things are going to be out of my control, but I can still be as safe as I can. And so some of my tips and what I personally do whenever I'm going somewhere new, whether it's domestic, international, is I research the place that I'm going. I research the accommodation. I look at all of the reviews. I see if anyone has left anything about safety. I also try to suss out the area on the map just to see if it's central to things, if I can walk to these places, and I just take a look at my whereabouts. I then also do a little bit of research through what is it? Smart Traveler. It's a government website. I'm going to link it in the notes as well. I look at everything I need to know before I can potentially enter that country. With Bali, for example, you need a declaration, you need a visa. And I think they were the only two forms I had to fill out. I checked out what I needed before I went there. And I also just got familiar with what I needed to know about the country. Smart Traveler has all of that information for you. Some other things that I do, and if you watch my YouTube video, the Bali vlog, you would have seen this, but I usually try to arrive in the daytime. I really don't like arriving in the nighttime, and that is because I just want to know when I get there that it's daytime, I can see where, where I am, I can get my bearings, I can explore a little bit in the daytime. When I landed in Bali, it was literally... 
what, like midnight Bali time, which was like 2 a.m. Melbourne time. And so I just went straight to sleep and I saved my exploring for the next day. And look, it was fine. My flight did get cancelled. And so I ended up on a later one. But typically I would always arrive in the daytime. And then the other tip I've got is if you find yourself in an uncomfortable, borderline dangerous situation, Never let people know that you are by yourself, okay? Always have a bit of a backup plan because sometimes people will talk to me and I don't mind. I'm happy to have a conversation and make friends. But obviously sometimes if it's a bit creepy or I'm feeling a bit unsafe, I'm always like, oh, I'm meeting friends or like my friends are waiting for me back at the hotel or my parents are back there. Like you can lie. (laughs) It's okay to lie to protect your safety. And I think on that as well, if you are going to put yourself in situations where you're going somewhere with someone new or you're going to be doing something that is like outside of your itinerary, tell somebody where you are and you can tell somebody back home if that's, you know, something that you can do. I always like to tell somebody where I am because I think to myself, what's my family in Australia going to do if something bad happens to me tonight? They probably can't help. So if you want to tell maybe the people at your hostel or maybe tell the people at your hotel where you're going, that could potentially give you some peace of mind too and just really add that extra layer so someone knows that, oh, if she didn't come back or if they didn't come back or if he didn't come back, maybe something could be up. And just be really smart about going and meeting people. Obviously, trust your gut instinct as well. There are definitely friends I've made while traveling that I'm still friends with to this day from all over the world and nothing scary happened. There were just good, genuine people also solo traveling at the same time. Some other quick tips are always having a charged phone because if you need to contact somebody, you can. I personally didn't get a SIM card when I went to Europe and I didn't get a SIM card when I went to Bali. I will be getting a SIM card when I'm in Europe this time, but having a charged phone just means if you do need to contact somebody or get on the Wi-Fi, you can. And the other couple of tips are don't drink too much. That also goes for partaking in any other risk-taking behavior, things like drugs, anything like that. Probably not the best time to experiment while you're away overseas by yourself in a country that you can't potentially get help in. And as I said, if you check out the website Smart Traveler, which I'll link, that will have everything in there for you. The next question is, how can I ease into solo travel and where are your recommendations on where to go? And what I would recommend for anyone who wants to dip their toes in is to start small. And it doesn't always necessarily need to be like, taking a solo holiday right now, but just getting comfortable in your own company and getting comfortable doing things by yourself. Maybe it's taking yourself out on a little road trip. Maybe it's a domestic trip. You don't have to go straight to international straight away because I know that can be a little bit more scary. Even just focusing in your home state, like I know in Victoria here, there are so many areas that I would love to go and just do a little weekend away, a little getaway, a little road trip, if you will. And that can also start to build your confidence because this thing happens where once you do one solo trip, you're like, oh my God, who is she? Like, I can go do this again and I can probably go explore somewhere new or somewhere different the next time. Like your confidence and your tolerance to it actually builds. It's like a muscle. Like most things we talk about on this podcast, if you want to work on it, you absolutely can. And I would just really reiterate that fact to start small because if it's something that you're interested in, I think once you start to build that trust with yourself and start to build that confidence with yourself, that'll then put you in a better position to potentially take a bigger trip or a larger, you know, travel experience down the track. 
I then had a lot of questions about solo travel budget tips and the world is not always necessarily made for a solo person and I think there are definitely things you can do when it comes to solo travel to make it more affordable. The first one is to look for accommodation in hostels and when I went to Europe the first time the entire trip I stayed in hostels and if I didn't do that I honestly don't think I would have made as many friends as I did. I also did a couple of tours, which I'll talk about in an upcoming question. So Kentikis and things like that. But the really good thing about hostels is you have the control in the sense that you can book a private room in a hostel or you can book a room where maybe it's not as large. Like you might have like shared with one other person or shared with you know, two to three other people. One of the biggest hostels I stayed at was in London. And I think I had like 11 other girls in the room with me. (laughs) And that was my first hostel when I landed straight out of Australia. My first time going to Europe by myself. I personally would prefer a smaller room. I would say maybe no more than like four or so like dorms. You can get dorms like that in hostels. But when it comes to picking a hostel, again, check the reviews, see what people are saying about it. Most hostels have pretty good reviews. And the great thing about that is solo travelers will go to hostels. And then soon enough, you start making friends with each other. There's usually communal areas where you can hang out as well. Someone might say, hey, we're going out to this place tonight. Do you want to come? Or, hey, we're thinking of doing a walking tour on this day. Do you want to come? People will invite you out. Obviously, cheaper as well. That's the point of this question. I'm a huge advocate for hostels, but if you look at the price of a hostel versus a hotel, which if you're a solo traveler staying in a hotel, chances are you're probably paying for two people because most of them are like the double bed or the king size bed. The other tips I've got are to go on holidays out of peak season. So unfortunately for me, I booked Bali first week of school holidays, or maybe it was the second week. Was that a smart idea? Probably not, but I just needed to go. And so because of that, things were more expensive. Flights were more expensive. A com was more expensive. Even like the food and things there were more expensive because it was school holidays. I've been to Bali outside of peak season before around October, September, October, and I think around April, May, like just before that school holiday period. And it was a lot cheaper. So if you can go outside of that, I highly recommend that. And I would also say, do your research on places that might not be as popular. There may be other destinations that you could go to that might be a little bit cheaper. I found a Fiji package that I almost booked instead of Bali because that was going to be a little bit cheaper for me. And then I ended up just deciding against it at the last minute and booking Bali because I knew I really wanted to go there. But there are other places that you could potentially visit that might be a little bit more cost effective. And I also don't have this, but I've seen it everywhere. If you have any like flight rewards points or any kind of things like that that allow you to earn points to then potentially save on flights, that could be a good way to save some cash as well. I am just a, I think I'm like a level three VIP member with booking.com because I booked all my trips through booking.com, mostly accommodation, especially when I was traveling for work and especially when I've been traveling just for any other reasons. I've used booking.com and now I'm like a VIP member, which I think I get like maybe 10 or 15% off like accommodation and things like that. So if you can tap into any of those, that would help you save as well and can be a good way to keep that cost down. Then we've got our next question, which is, how do you know what to do and find your way around the airport? And I literally don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Like I just wing it. The good thing about most airports though, is that 
usually they have the signage and then they've got the signage in the language of whatever country you're going to, but then there's an English version like underneath that, or there are signs in English also around the airport. What I usually do to combat this though, because I have major airport anxiety. I'm like an airport dad. You know, those memes or those TikToks about the airport dad, that's me. I have to get there early because (laughs) I need to see the gate and just sit there for hours to know the gate's not running away. And I feel like there's two types of people, those that get there super early and those that get there like one minute before they have to board. I'm I'm in the first camp, okay? I feel like I need to get there early to allow for time for me to get lost and for me to make a mistake because if I get there too late, then I'm just super anxious and I'm on edge more than what I already am and I don't like that. So I allow myself enough time to get there. I'm also careful when it comes to booking flights that have stopovers. I want to make sure I give myself enough time between getting onto that stopover. So keep that in mind too. What I usually do is just follow the signs. And if I get stuck, I will ask for directions. Typically, I've never really had too many issues. The only airport that really messes with me is Singapore airport. I don't know if you guys have been there, but it's massive. They literally have a rainforest in there. They've got a full shopping center in there. It is decked out, beautiful airport, but very chaotic and very big and very easy to get lost. The other thing I would say, if this bothers you or you're very worried, research the airport before you go. I can't stress to you, there are so many threads, even on like Reddit or even on YouTube, there are already people who have gone into these airports, taken videos, left their own tips, left threads about it on the internet. So if it's really causing you concern, do that research, soothe that concern for yourself. And that way it can hopefully minimize any stress or panic you have about it. And as I said, ask for help. At the end of the day, No, there's nothing wrong with asking for help if you need that or if you need directions. There's usually people there that can help you as well. So don't be afraid to do that. All right, guys, we have a quick word from today's sponsor. So I'll get into that and then I'll get back to the questions after that. Elite 11 is my favorite sporting and activewear label and they are kindly sponsoring another episode of Your Safe Space. I live in my Elite 11 pieces and I absolutely love the brand. Most days you will find me in their fits, whether I'm at the gym, running errands, on a hot girl walk or just chilling on the couch, Elite 11 has me covered. They also have something for you and something for everyone. They offer both women's and men's ranges and go up to 3XL in sizing and you can find performance ranges, lifestyle pieces and loungewear products to find comfort and style in any activity. My top picks right now are their new ARC hoodies. I actually ordered the pink one and the gray one. They are so cute. You guys will probably see it on me very soon. And they're also still running the 100K giveaway. So Elite 11 is giving two people the chance to win 50 grand cash each. And to enter, all you have to do is spend $50 in store, online or on their app to go into the running. Now, this giveaway does close on August 31st, 2023. So you still have a little bit of time to get into it if you want to, but you can shop Elite 11 now at Elite11Sporting.com in store or by downloading the app. And you can also use my code Adele's Hand to save you some money too. Thank you so much to Elite 11 for making this episode of Your Safe Space possible. All right, we are back into the questions. These get really good. So thank you guys. The next one is how do you go flying on your own? Are you confident? And no, I'm not super confident because I am terrified of heights, but I'm not scared of planes. I think because I can't really see the ground and below me, like I love the window seat, but I think because I can't see the ground and below me, I'm okay knowing that I'm in the air. But usually what I do to make the plane 
more, I guess, comfortable for me is I always book a window seat if I can. That's like my only non-negotiable because I really just need to make sure I can lie on the window and then hopefully sleep through it. I also feel okay on flights that are under like that four, five, even six hour mark. I was pretty okay on the Bali flight, which was six hours from Melbourne or like five and a half. But when they are longer than that, I definitely get antsy. Okay. And if anyone listening to this has flown to Europe or to even, I'm going to say America, we are so far away in Australia. The flight is long. Typically we've got a stopover somewhere as well. And the flight can be anywhere from like eight hours to one place. And then maybe 13 hours to the next or nine hours and then 12 hours that they are long haul flights. And so I try to do what I can to make it as seamless as possible. I will download movies. I will download shows. I will download podcast episodes. Trust me, the time goes so fucking slow on a plane. (laughs) I will say the flight in somewhere, especially internationally, is usually not as bad as the flight home. On the flight in, you're excited. You're looking forward to it. You have the anticipation building. On the flight home, you're probably a little bit sad. You might be feeling post-holiday sadness, post-holiday blues, if you will. And so the vibe coming home is different to the vibe going there. But I always try to just make sure I'm making the flight as seamless as I can. I also use the flight time to clear out my camera roll because I have thousands of photos. And I'm sure that's a very niche problem (laughs) that maybe content creators can relate to. But I honestly just use that time to delete old photos, delete all my little one second clips from my vlogs. I take a book, I take multiple books. Sometimes I'm in a different mood when I'm on the plane. And the last thing I'll say is if you are super anxious, you can chat to your GP about it and you can even get something to take the edge off from your GP. So I personally do that when I have a dentist appointment, the doctor can prescribe some medication for you or even some of your dentists can. But for the flight, chat to your GP. They might be able to give you either some sleeping tablets or just some relaxants to take that edge off, especially if you are a super anxious flyer as well. The other thing I know if you have a fear of flying, what I would recommend is maybe doing a little bit of looking or research into like how a plane works and the safety behind it because there's this video and some of you might remember it of Anna Paul where she was explaining the plane in the jelly and the pressure of the air and that's how like the plane stays up in the sky and that that video went viral and is still something that everyone talks about to this day and People have said that that has helped them like get over their fear of flying or be okay with their flying. So maybe if you do a little bit of research into that to kind of calm you or, you know, lessen that worry that you have around the flying. Obviously, as I said, the flight home is a different story because you could be a bit sad, a bit down in the dumps about it. But my advice there is to try and book a decent flight home. And what I mean by that is don't book one that has 20 stopovers and takes you 45 hours to get home. I know sometimes that could be the cheapest one, but that might not always be the best for you, especially in the state of coming home. And I also find that for me, the jet lag is worse on the way back versus how it is on the way there. And so sometimes I will try to use the plane time to get myself back into Australian time as well. Sometimes I just try to sleep to pass the time. I don't know if that helps or hinders me though. (laughs) Our next question. What do you do when you go out to eat by yourself? Do you go on your phone or look around? How do you not feel awkward about it? This was very highly asked by all of you because I think some of you might be worried about this, which I think, okay, fair. To me, it comes very naturally. I have no issues going out, getting breakfast, 
getting lunch, getting dinner. What I usually do is depends for dinner time I'll try and sit on like a bar or if any of the restaurants I'm at have any kind of like front seating at a bar where like other solo people could sit I find that area to be the most comfortable but usually I've got my phone sometimes I have my book sometimes I have my journal sometimes I've literally got my vlogging camera out filming me while I'm eating (laughs) and I'm talking to the camera and Obviously, I'm very comfortable to do that now. At the start, I probably wasn't, but no one bats an eyelid. I can't even stress to you, no one. And I was in Bali. You can even go and watch the vlog. You can see me eating at the restaurant. You can hear the people around me. People, yeah, they may have looked, but no one said anything. The only time a restaurant said anything was my first night. I went to Ling Ling's in Bali and it was beautiful. It's Japanese food. I highly recommend it. But the waiter was like, oh, like, who are you here with? How long are you here? And I think she was just asking because she was starting conversation. She was doing her job. Great customer service. I loved it. And I said, oh, I'm by myself. And she's like, oh, my God, like, as if you're by yourself. But it wasn't in a judgy way. It was in a very endearing way. Like, she was impressed that I was by myself. And that's the other thing. Anytime someone has asked me and I've said, oh, I'm here by myself, they've been shocked, but in a good way. It does really make you like (laughs) this, like, oh, wow, I'm impressed because like she's here by herself. She's come from her country and she's just exploring this country. And I feel like people take interest in that in a good way, not in a judgmental or a, oh, she's so weird for doing that. Or that's really awkward for doing that. Most people are in awe about it and it's a great conversation starter. And you'll also see that like other people are also by themselves. And as I said at the start, just because you're there by yourself doesn't mean that you're not going to make friends or have conversation. Our next question, what are the best groups to travel with in Europe? And then in brackets, they've put companies. And I'm assuming that you are talking about like Kentucky, maybe even Sail Croatia, Intrepid. What's the other one? There's another one that's similar to Kentucky. I'm having a mind blank. But yes, I highly recommend doing a Kentucky. I highly recommend doing any kind of tour like that. I did a Kentucky for my first two weeks when I got to Europe, that time that I went the first time. And I also did a sail Croatia. So the Kentucky was two weeks. The sail Croatia, I think it was maybe seven or 10 days. It was a long time ago now, so I can't really remember. But They were amazing. Definitely an experience. With the Kentucky, I picked the hostel options. So with Kentucky, you have a choice whether you want to do like hotels or hostels. And I just picked hostels because one, it was cheaper. (laughs) And two, I wanted to meet other people and make friends. And I can't even stress how much fun I had. Like Kentucky is a journey. Something, I don't know what happens on these trips, but You are with these people for literally 24-7, right? And a lot of the time you're either like in the bus traveling around or on a boat traveling around or in your dorms. You're having all your meals together. You do get free time on the Kentikis as well. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes they've got activities and shit planned for you. But most of the time you're just in the pockets of these people that are strangers at the start, but come the end of it, I was crying at the end of my two-week Kentucky because I didn't want to leave all of my friends that I had just made. And I had made a couple of friends from the US. There were some girls from America on the trip. There was a girl from Canada on the trip. There were definitely Aussies on the trip. The trip was mostly Aussies. (laughs) I would say Aussies seem to attract each other when you go over there. I don't know what that's about, but it definitely happens. But I made friends with these people from all over the world. 
And we had even said to each other like, oh, if you ever like come to Canada, we'll catch up again. Or if you come to Melbourne, you can catch up with me. Like I'll be your little Melbourne tour guide, things like that. And so I definitely recommend something like that to ease you into it, especially if it's something you want to do. And that's a surefire way to make friends. Like I guarantee you will make a friend. Anyone listening who's been on a Kentucky can also vouch for that. The other thing I'll add is I did the sale Croatia too. I don't know if I would do Sail Croatia again. (laughs) It is an experience. I got a little bit boat sick. Just the whole setup, like the shower and the toilet and things like that was probably a little bit, I don't know, out of my comfort zone and too far out of my comfort zone. I will say I was very young. I was drunk the whole time while I was on Sail Croatia. So I guess that made it bearable for me. Think about the experience that you want to have and then pick a tour that kind of suits your values or suits your vibe or suits the kind of energy that you want to have. There's nothing wrong with wanting to go on a Euro trip or a trip anywhere else and partying and living it up. Like I'm not judging at all. There's nothing wrong if you want to do that, but just make sure it's in line with your values. And that way you can make that decision with like peace and ease. The next question is, how do you have fun while being alone? I want to do a solo trip, but I fear I won't have fun without my friends. And this just goes back to what I was saying before. You will make friends. Just because you're alone doesn't mean you're not going to make any friends. All of the friends that I've made traveling, even my bestest friend, and I've told this story a few times on the podcast, but Suzanne, I met her in Croatia and I was traveling on the Sail Croatia tour at that point. She was also traveling with her friends from Melbourne, but we were both out one night and we had lost our groups of people and then we just bumped into each other on the dance floor and we made a friend. And now we're best friends all these years later. It's literally wild. You never know who you will cross paths with. And as I said, you make friends because you're not in your comfort zone. You're forced to put yourself out there. And some things that I usually do is I'm always very open for people to talk to me. So my body language is very open. My shoulders are back. I'm always smiling, especially if you're going to somewhere beautiful and people are on holidays and people are traveling, usually people are in a good mood anyway. (laughs) People are happy to chat with you, talk to you and make friends with you in return. And so I just have a couple of things up my sleeve where I'll say, hey, like how long are you here for? Where are you from? And that's how you start that conversation. Obviously, you're not going to click with everyone you meet, but If you don't want to continue that conversation, you can just be like, cool, hey, it was lovely to meet you. I'm going to go hang out with my other friends or whatever you want to say. Or if you get along really well, you can like tag along or invite them out to do something with you, or you can just spend your night continuing partying with them or hanging out with them. And I feel like that is a surefire way to have fun and meet people. On the other hand, it's also totally fine if you just want to go and have a getaway where you don't do that. My recent trip to Bali was very much what I just needed for myself and I wasn't super interested in doing that because I just needed time out to like sit and do nothing and be in my own little bubble and read my book and reflect and just process some stuff that I was going through. So it's not always going to be like that, but I think I'm fine in my own company. And that really just goes back to getting comfortable with your own company and being okay with that. I can have a really good time while being by myself. And I think that just goes down to being comfortable doing things by myself anyway. Our next question, what are your carry on must haves? Obviously, it depends on where you're going. Be prepared, I will say. So having your passport, 
having any documents you may need, whether it's like visas or declarations or anything like that, check Smart Traveler before you go anywhere. (laughs) I can't stress that enough. Smart Traveler has all of the information that you need. Some countries also still may require you to have a COVID vaccination certificate. Bali didn't, but some other ones may. I probably need to check all of that before I head off to Europe again in the coming months. Check what you need to go into the country. And the other thing I'll add is if you're planning to drive internationally, you need to also get an international license. So organize that before you get there. And then the other huge alarm bell one is travel insurance. Like I cannot stress to you guys, you must get travel insurance. It's not worth going and not having travel insurance. So make sure you've got a copy of that on you. I always keep everything in my email anyway, but I have a printed hard copy with me so I can show that in case I don't have service or in case I can't get it up or my phone's dead or something like that. So I am a bit overkill with having copies of everything. Aside from that, I think also having a backup plan if you are in a sticky situation. So it depends obviously on what stresses you out. But for me, I want to know that I can have the number of the hotel or the number of the hostel. I want to know where the embassy is if I need the embassy. I want to know that this person back home knows where I am. I give my family a copy of my itinerary or someone that I trust a copy of my itinerary, my passport, everything that I need or everything that in case of an emergency they've got so that they could potentially help from back home. I also haven't packed my carry-on for Europe yet, so I don't have any other essentials aside from that. I'm going to say those things I just mentioned, they're the key things, but I will do a video packing my carry-on for Europe. There is one tiny thing I wanted to mention about carry-ons, and I've seen a lot of people, and I used to do it as well, doing face masks on the airplane, right? So eye masks and the full sheet masks. And I got a comment on one of my videos because I was going to do a face mask on my Bali flight, and someone said to me, do not do this on a plane because the air in the plane is not the cleanest, and bacteria is attracted to moisture. So when you put on a sheet mask or when you put on a face mask, the bacteria is just going straight to your face and that made me want to be ill. (laughs) So save your skincare for the stopover if you have a stopover. Maybe take some things with you so you can freshen up when you get to that stopover, but I would say refrain from doing it on the flight if you can. My skin dries out so severely when I'm on a plane. So what I try to do is do a lot of like hydrating skincare before and then hydrating skincare when I'm on a stopover, but no more sheet masks for me on the plane. I also got asked what was my number one travel must have and I'm new to this, but the air tag. I air tagged my luggage when I went to Bali and I'll be air tagging my luggage when I go to Europe soon. And I can't even tell you just like the peace of mind it gave me. I highly recommend it. I bought a packet of four and I've just tagged the main luggage. I don't think I will tag anything else. Some people have air tagged their car keys or like their passport in a separate bag or some people have even air tagged like their pets, but I'm just going to tag my luggage and it's really nice to see when I get on the plane, I make sure my bag is like with me. When I get off the plane, I check, I make sure the bag is with me and it's just, I can breathe because I know that even if the luggage does go missing, at least I know where the fuck it is because I've seen too many things about luggage going missing and that panics me. So the air tag has just given me peace of mind and that's probably going to be my number one recommendation followed by like a good quality like luggage or suitcase. All right, our last couple of questions. The next one is how do you cope with missing Franklin while you're traveling? And I don't. 
And I think this question I put in because I wanted to talk about homesickness a little bit. I think as a solo traveler, especially if you are away from your home for a little bit of time, you may experience homesickness, which is very normal. And for me, it kind of hit me in the Europe trip I did, maybe at like the six week mark, I was thinking, oh fuck, should I come home? Because I'm not enjoying this anymore. But what really worked is just like honoring that homesickness, acknowledging it, calling home, catching up with Aussies in the area that I was staying just to try and get that feeling of home. And then even trying to get some things that reminded me of home, whether it was watching my favorite show or trying to find like some Tim Tams or something like that, just to bring me that feeling that I was like comfortable and safe. And so homesickness is okay. It's not very nice to deal with, but if you can have some things in place to kind of help you to alleviate that, that would be probably helpful, especially if you're planning a long trip. As for missing Franklin, whoever is looking after him sends me updates. Franklin was not my baby when I went to Europe the last time. This time I'll be gone for four weeks and he'll be with my sister and her girlfriend. And I've already told my sister I need a daily update. Usually when I travel just interstate or domestically, he's with obviously my mum and dad. And my mum will send me like a good morning message and a good night message and always a picture of him, which I know is very spoiled, but I love that. And so I've just said to Carla, one picture will be enough, but I just I need to know that he's okay. I feel very guilty leaving him. I feel very bad because I think in his brain, he, he might think she's never coming home. <laughs> that makes me sad as well. But I also know that I've raised an independent dog and he'll be okay with my sister. So yeah, it'll be hard. This will be the longest I've ever left him. The last time I left Franklin was I think for maybe like 10 or 14 days. I did go to Bali for a wedding and he was only a year old at that point. And my mum and dad looked after him while I was there. So that's the longest that I've left him. This will be the longest coming up. And yeah, I'm not sure how I'm going to cope. I'm the one who suffers from the separation anxiety, not... (laughs) not him. And yes, I know I'm dramatic guys, but he's my baby. Okay. And then our couple of last questions, but what was your favorite and least favorite experience about your recent solo trip to Bali? And my favorite experience would have just been the trip as a whole, because it was very wholesome for me and I really needed it. And what I mean by I really needed it When I left, I was very anxious. I don't know if you guys could maybe tell in the podcast episodes. You could definitely see it in my YouTube videos. My anxiety was like peaking very badly and I just felt very low in confidence. I felt very low in resilience. I felt very low vibe and that little trip was just like a real kick up the butt to be like, oh my God, look at me. I'm taking myself out. I'm doing things by myself. I can have this confidence. I can have this resilience. I also had spoken to my psychologist before I left because I was a bit scared in the sense that I felt like I was running away a little bit. And I said to her, like, I really want to go to Bali. I've been thinking about it for like three days. It seems impulsive, but like, this is why I want to go. And she's like, I think you should go. She's like, it's okay to take a break. And sometimes a change in your environment is exactly what you need. And for me, it was exactly what I needed. And so I'm glad I took it. The other thing I'll say though, is I made time to still reflect while I was on the trip. So I read a whole book and a half. (laughs) 
I also did a lot of journaling to just process some of the things that I needed to process. And I've come home and there's still stuff I need to work on and still stuff I need to do, which is okay. If you are planning on doing a solo trip because you're in a low position or you're feeling down, that's okay as well. But just know that when you get back, you still will have to deal with those things. And if you can make time while you're over there to reflect and work through it, that might help you work through it as well. And then my least favorite thing was that it wasn't long enough and I only went for five nights. I wish I could have stayed longer. I just couldn't because I have other commitments and shit to do back here. But I think for me, the best level or like break is probably between like that 10 days to like two, three weeks. I think that's my sweet spot. My Europe trip that I went on, which was I think 11 weeks, 10 or 11 weeks, that was too long. I don't think I could travel for that long again. I'm a little bit worried about this Europe trip coming up because I'm going to be gone for four weeks. And I think, could that be too long? But there's a wedding over there. There's lots of fun things to explore. So I'm hoping that it'll be okay. I'll also be with my family too. So I feel like that will be a different type of experience. The only bad thing was that it was not long enough. And then the last question is, would you recommend Bali for a solo trip if you have never been before? And I just realized I didn't answer at the start. Someone said where to go. I would definitely recommend Bali. I felt so safe in Bali. That was my third time going to Bali. I would also go somewhere new as well. As I said at the start, I never really want the safety thing to like hinder me or stop me from going somewhere. But Bali for me, the Balinese people are so beautiful. Their way of life is beautiful. And I just felt very secure there. If anything, I was less worried about the Balinese people and more worried about like the tourists, (laughs) if that makes sense, because I felt safe there at all times. And I think even when I was leaving my hotel, there's literally a security guard from the hotel at the front. And he would always be like, where are you going? Do you need anything? And he would always say hello to me and goodbye. And so I just felt very secure there. I also picked a place that I had been before and I picked a place that was very central to all of the restaurants and things I wanted to go to because I walked literally everywhere. So I felt safe enough to do that. Some other things I did was making sure that I wasn't walking around super late at night by myself because that can be putting myself into an unnecessarily dangerous situation for no reason. But I felt super safe there and I'd highly recommend it. I would highly recommend literally any of the places I've been because I've had a really good time. Some of the most unsafe places I've felt though are like surprising ones and I'm going back to some of those places but when I went to Europe the first time I felt very unsafe in Paris and I felt very unsafe in Rome and I think it was because of how crowded it was and just because of all the things I had heard about like pickpocketers and just bad things happening I will be going back obviously this time but again have your wits about you do your research know what you're going into so that you can alleviate any of that stress. But guys, I think we can wrap the show there. This was a very jam-packed one. I hope that if you are feeling like you want to go on a solo holiday, you take it, step out into your comfort zone. It's not Nothing bad is going to happen to you. It's going to be a fun time. You'll make some amazing memories. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you love. Put us on your story. Subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple. Leave us a rating or a review. And if you want to come follow us, your safe space pod on Instagram at Adele Marie on Instagram and join our Facebook group, your safe space podcast community. All right, guys, I will see you next time. Have a great week. Thank you so much again to Elite 11 for making this episode of your safe space possible. Bye guys. Bye.